Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The Bob Seska Show. Bob Seska. Come on, Robin. To the Batcave. We haven't one moment to lose. The Bob Seska Show. Former Nation's Capital, it is Wednesday, August 17, 2022, and this is the Bob Seska interview on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Bob. Hello, Bob. Hi, day 575 of the Biden-Harris administration, 82 days until the 22 midterms. I'm on Instagram. My handle is the Bob Seska. Lots of weird videos and pictures over there. Plus, I'm on Twitter, Bob Seska underscore go, and our Patreon, of course, is bobseskashow.com. You know how I know Allison Gill from Muller, she wrote, is an unstoppable juggernaut? She suffered a concussion yesterday and did not cancel her interview with me today. If it had been me, I swear to God, I'd be spending the day on the couch watching old episodes of The Mandalorian. So despite her head injury, Allison returns to the show today to talk about the FBI search and seizure operation of Mar-a-Lago and many of the other ways Trump could be held accountable for his crimes. You can find Allison's shows and many more at mswmedia.com. And don't forget the How We Win fundraiser at the Largo Theater in L.A. featuring Allison, Kathy Griffin, Frangela, and more. That's swingleft.org slash fundraiser slash how we win. I've got links in the description as always. Meantime, if you like what you hear today, please help support this show by subscribing to our bonus content at patreon.com slash Show. Okay, here's me and Allison Gill playing Injured. Bob Seska! Allison, how are you? Good, Bob. How are you? Good, good. Can we talk about your concussion? Yeah, I got a concussion. Uh, I went in and I got a, a CAT scan and it's just a bruising. There's no cracked bones. There's no brain damage or anything like that. It's just... Oh my God. Just hit my head really hard. Knocked myself unconscious for a minute. And um, 
So now I'm sitting in a in a nice dark quiet room today, you know, trying not ah, to get too well, stimulus and light. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for coming on in spite of your concussion. That's incredible. So, what happened? You just you just bumped your head on something? What? I slipped on some wet tile. Oh my god! And it was so fast. I didn't have time to like catch myself or anything. So my 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 forehead took the full force of the fall. I think we should all be more terrified of that possibility. I don't think we're fully cognizant of the fact that you could slip on a teeny tiny bit of water and end up concussing yourself. I mean, I'm not kidding around with that. That's actually something that's very legitimate as, you know, a real danger in the home. So, yeah. Especially, you know, I live alone and, you know, there's, I always, you know, I have the one cat and I'm like, he's probably just waiting for me to... <laughs> For me to kick it so he, he could finally eat me. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know what? I think every cat owner, that's the that's a terrible secret of having a cat. If you have <laughs> if you have a cat, you're constantly afraid that if you pass out, the cat will eat you. That's the <laughs> you know, we haven't talked in a couple of months, so I wanted to officially congratulate you on nailing where the DOJ was headed with all of these investigations. I mean, you've been on board with this, forecasting this, when almost no one else was. And that is, I think, a testament to not only reading, you know, the news, <laughs> because there has been reporting on especially the document theft going back, I don't know, at least six months from what I've seen. So um, it's been news for a while, yet there are a lot of us who are in complete denial about it, weren't they? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, the DOJ operates in silence mm. and it operates at a slow pace and that makes it a target for criticism. Um, and and I'm, you know, there I've had some some criticism for it as well. Like, hey, we need to know you need to be a little more full throated about how many resources you're putting on this, please. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't need to hear from a press release, um, you know, a year into it that you've hired 130 lawyers and Steve Wyndham is coming on board. Like you could have mm -hmm. said that you were planning on doing that, but without ruining any investigations. But I knew that they were, you know, from my experience, uh, reporting on the DOJ for the last five years now, we don't learn about what they're doing until about six months after they do it. And we learn, right. we learn it from leaks from the people who are being targeted or, or, or uh, who are subjects of the investigation or witnesses. We don't learn it from the DOJ. So mm -hmm. it's, that's been about right on track with what, you know, what you were saying, we, you yeah, know, yeah. this has been, been going on this investigation. They subpoenaed Donald Trump back in the spring and we had no idea, you know, stuff mm -hmm. like that. I, I was hoping was happening. And, yeah. and as it turns out, it, it was. I think a lot of us were stung by the, you know, and we know the reasons for it, the flaccid rollout of the Mueller report. And mm -hmm. with that being the context, I think some of us were like, oh, my God, I don't, you know, I don't want to be led down this road where I'm getting my hopes up for something to happen. And then it's another situation where somehow Donald Trump is able to use his people to wiggle out of it or whatever. So maybe there was a uh, we don't want to get our hopes up aspect to it. But on the other hand, there was so much reporting kind of leading us in this direction that this is a different situation. This is not the 
Trump-Russia investigation necessarily, plus Donald Trump is no longer president, and that's a key element to all of that. That's what makes him vulnerable, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. And we and, and Bill Barr is no longer the attorney general. And, yep. and here's the mistake that I think a lot of us made with with the Mueller investigation. And, and the same thing I see is happening with this Department of Justice investigation is that people either for some reason, it's just very histrionic for, for folks. It's either hmm. Mueller is in the pocket of the bad guys and he's a federalist and he's not going to do anything or he's going to save the whole universe and indict everyone everywhere. Yeah. Uh, and the reality is always somewhere in the middle. Justice never looks like how we think it's going to look, whether, whether we're doom and gloom people or whether we're super hopeful people, it's always somewhere in the middle mm-hmm. And, it, and it's never quite as satisfying as you want it to be, but it's also never quite as a big of a letdown. And, and I think, you know, if people look and like you and folks who who listen to your show know what was in the Mueller report, know why it was rolled out, know why it was quashed, how it was spun for three weeks while, while they sat on it. Um, we know what's in it and how important it is mm-hmm. what's in it, you know, and you can add the, the five volume Senate report on the Trump Russia investigation, too. But. You know, a lot of people were indicted, a lot of people were convicted and went to prison, but he couldn't indict Trump. And so, you know, I think going into people should sort of view this DOJ investigation that way, too. People either are expecting some, you know, tackle and shackle, leg irons, orange jumpsuit, pay-per-view, <laughs> public docs, you know, yeah. uh, of, of of Trump. Or people are like, no, Garland is a federalist who's in Trump's pocket and he'll protect everyone. And, and the, the, rea- the reality is going to be somewhere in the middle. There's a school of thought that says if we scream at Merrick Garland on Twitter, he's going to do something. <laughs> Please disabuse whoever's using that technique of that uh, misapprehension. Like there's no there's nothing indicating that Merrick Garland is doom scrolling Twitter. Oh, my God, people are yelling at me. I got to do something about Donald Trump now. That's not happening, is it? No, he doesn't <laughs> listen to po- politicians. No. He doesn't listen to the White House. He's certainly not going to listen to you, Brenda, um, <laughs> screaming on Twitter. Right. And, you know, they'll, they'll, they just want to scream. And mm. it's like, I, I just keep saying, hey, I, I don't agree with your frustration. I understand it. I think they're doing something. But you know what's more effective? Write the Department of Justice. Give them a call. Here's their phone number. Here's the public form you can fill out on their website to yeah. tell them what you think that's what they read they don't listen to social media mm-hmm. and and it's interesting too though that now of course the people who were attacking me and saying i was wrong and the doj was going to do nothing who have now been proven incorrect are saying well it's because we were screaming yes, on twitter right <laughs> that that he's done this but but they, what they failed to <clears throat> acknowledge is how long these investigations have been going on mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 perhaps if he all of a sudden decided to, you know, investigate these boxes of documents at Mar-a-Lago. Okay. But that's not the case. He started investigating as soon as NARA, as soon as the national archives told him about it. And I think to an extent there was kind of a, a line of thinking, at least on social media that kind of downplayed the document theft side of these investigations where, Oh, we're really focused on one six. So this document theft thing, that's kind of 
secondary or tertiary. It's way down the list of priorities. So I'm just not even going to bother with that. And why isn't Merrick Garland doing something about 1-6? And obviously that's been uh, blown all to hell, too. He's absolutely, DOJ, grand jury, is all, all absolutely investigating 1-6 with Trump in mind. Yeah, yeah, 100%. But we don't know what we don't know. Yeah, and, yeah. and the document thing, while it seemed like, because I feel like the media was like, oh, he took the letter from Kim Jong-un and the, and the picture of the hurricane that he drew on with a Sharpie. <laughs> when in reality, he could have lists of, of confidential informants yeah. and uh, nuclear locations of nuclear Titan missiles. We don't know. It could be really bad. But the thing that we don't know, that we really don't know, is why he has these. Now, of course, I think I know why he has them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, because I think he's, you know, he's coming up to, oh, about 800 million in debts in 2023, which is why, which one of the things that made him a national security threat to be Mm. president, if he, if he won in 2020 is because, you know, it's bad when you're a billion dollars in debt, uh, and, you know, sort of on the hook with a bunch of our foreign adversaries, but, and they're the ones who can bail you out. That's just a bad, that's bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that I've, I've long said, I think, uh, I think Jennifer Taub and I were talking about it on Twitter back in October of 2020 before the election. I said, he's going to sell our secrets to pay his debts. Yeah. And in fact, I guess we could talk about this story from February of 2019, where a whistleblower or series of whistleblowers stepped forward and communicated with Elijah Cummings committee that Trump was trying to sell nuclear secrets to the Saudis. This was while he was still president. I think Mike Flynn was somehow still involved in that, obviously post being national security advisor, but still in the Trump inner circle. So is that something that you foresee as maybe linked? Because as soon as I saw that the FBI was looking for nuclear-based documents, I went immediately to that story from Feb 2019. That seems like there's some connective tissue there, right? Yeah, I, I, I in my head actually went back even a little bit further to uh, 2017 mm-hmm. uh, when we heard tell of Flynn on the, you know, during inauguration, texting his friend Copson saying, we're a go on the Middle East Marshall Plan. Um, wow. We did a whole episode on this uh, in the first, very first weeks of Muller She Wrote when I was just a baby podcaster <laughs> in my kitchen talking about the Middle East Marshall Plan, where they wanted to build nuclear reactors in Saudi Arabia for the purpose of recolonizing the Middle East, for the purpose of being able to hire Eric Prince mercenaries to guard these nuclear reactors, and for the purpose of Saudi Arabia to be able to begin enriching uranium, not just for nuclear power use, if you catch my drift. Yeah, yeah. And everything that happened with Saudi Arabia from the, the David Pecker you know, inquirer glossy magazine about MBS and MBZ to the not doing anything in response uh, of our obligations of the Magnitsky Act after Jamal Khashoggi's killing to the $2 billion that Kushner got to to Tom Barrett, who's been indicted under under 951 espionage light for accepting almost $400 million for lobbying Donald on behalf of the UAE. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Bud McFarland, KT McFarland, Copson, nuclear reactor, Middle East Marshall Plan, all of that, it 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 all makes sense when you when you think of it from, from that point of view. And it and it lends to Bob how you were saying how actually really important this document 
thievery is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then we get this new dimension to it uh, in the last 24 hours, which is now, you know, going to be one of the giant quotes of our era, and that is, it's not theirs, it's mine. Uh, incredible how a pronoun is going to take down Donald Trump potentially in this case, right? <laughs> Uh, and, and it also, by the way, confirms my suspicions that as soon as Trump considered the documents to be declassified, I'm sure he showed them off, considered them his own, first of all, then showed them off to VIP guests at Mar-a-Lago, maybe even gave some away as gifts. I, that's on top of the very real possibility that he may have traded the documents in exchange for favors, maybe with the Saudis. Do you remember the Zelensky call? Mm -hmm. And uh, a lawyer named Michael Ellis on the NSA, National Security Council, yeah, uh, stashed that transcript in a in a nice code word classified system, the NICE system. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. Reduce, reduce the number of eyes on it. And then on a little kind of story that went under the radar right at the end of his administration, um, Trump installed that same lawyer, Michael Ellis, as the general counsel, the head lawyer of the NSA. And that was kind of my prompt where like he's burrowing employees in intelligence agencies to keep getting him intelligence. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, you know, and of course, Biden was like, no, no more briefings for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Went. Yeah. And, you know, this, this other aspect of this uh, entire story where there's an alleged standing order, which John Bolton has since contradicted, but whenever he would take classified documents out of the Oval Office, he would take them up to the residence, they would be automatically declassified. So it seems like he was taking those documents up to the residence, either to pour over them to determine what was either marketable for him or what he could use in terms of coercing people he needed to coerce. So I think maybe they're there could be like a compromat aspect to all of this, to use the Russian oh, term. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. I, when they said, you know, when he there's a couple of boxes of photos mm -hmm. on that inventory form, I'm like, ah, yep, 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 yeah. yep. It seems like that scene from The Breakfast Club where Dick Vernon is down in the basement files looking through the file cabinet and the custodian <laughs> comes in. What you doing, Dick? <laughs> looking through the confidential files, are you? And yep, he is, of yep. course, he's looking at some teacher who's got a history of mental illness and things like that. So he's digging in and that, oh my God, as soon as I heard this story and thought of the idea that he was keeping these files in the basement, he was absolutely going down there or had previously thumbed through all those documents for what he could use, what he could <laughs> use against people specifically. Yeah. And it was, you know, it was after, it's after golf trips. Uh, it seems that 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 these kinds of things like this solidify these these this this sycophants sort mm -hmm. of reinsert the tongue. Um, it, yeah, I love that scene too. Oh, Mr. Tierney. Oh, <laughs> That's exactly and, it. Yep. and then it, I love at the end when he's like, "These kids, these kids are going to be taking care of us," and he's like, mm -hmm. "You sure about that?" <laughs> <laughs> right. Not you. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, more with Allison here in just a second, but here's the best way to listen to the Bob Seska Show without all of these commercial interruptions. Just go right now to our Patreon page at bobseskashow.com, scroll down to the link for the ultimate edition of the podcast, and sign up for just $15 per month. In exchange for your super generous support, we're going to give you a completely commercial-free version of the Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday shows. Plus, you're going to get the Shadow Docket Show every Tuesday and Thursday. More things here. You're also going to get the After Party Podcast with me and Kimberly Johnson every Friday included in that level of support. All that for just $15 per month. You get everything we have to offer for $15 per month. Again, that's bobseskashow.com. Bookmark it. Send it to all your friends. And we thank you. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Bob Seska plays more music. Um, you know, I noticed the other day that Tucker Carlson is telling his viewers that the FBI search and seizure was about the Presidential Records Act. This is what he's telling. This is the Fox News primetime audience now believing that this was all about the Presidential Records Act. I guess it's their way of downplaying the seriousness of the potential charges. Let's, uh, because you have a unique and very insightful handle on all of the statutes from the U.S. Code that are involved with all of these various investigations. Let's go through the three from the warrant, <laughs> starting with 2071. What, what exactly is the 2071 aspect of these three warrants? The 2071 aspect is the presidential records aspect of okay. it, right? Concealment, mutilation, taking away, no, not mutilation or concealment, but, to, you know, taking away uh documents that belong to the united states that belong to the citizens of the united states all right uh and that's that's the 2071 aspect and that's that i think is what tucker carlson is hoping is all that it is okay. he's hoping it's just the hurricane sharpie map is that the presidential records act or is the presidential records act something separate well, there's statutes under the Presidential Records Act. Okay. So, like, you know how we'll we'll talk about 973 in a moment. Yeah. Yes. That that is part of the Espionage Act, mm -hmm. right? Yep. So if if you and it, it doesn't say in the statute Espionage Act. Right. Um, so these statutes are, come about as part of you know different legislative acts, but the but the 2071 is concealment removal or actually i was right i was right mutilation generally yes it actually says and this is unlawfully conceals removes mutilates obliterates destroys or attempts to do so it doesn't say eat or flush down toilet but i think that that will fall <laughs> under any of those categories uh with intent to do so mm -hmm. uh takes carries away any record proceeding map 
book, paper, document, et cetera, uh, is um, in prison no more than three years. But there's a little a little bumper on here that says you you can't it, it, you shall forfeit his office and be disqualified from holding any office under the United States. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now that has not been, I don't believe litigated in court. And I personally, and I hate to break it to everybody. I don't think it would stand up to muster. I think the constitution is clear about qualifications for running for president. And I don't think that a, a statute can override those qualifications listed in the constitution. I, you know, I heard some questions about that. Like how would they even enforce or how would they keep him legally from running for president? You know, I don't think they would arrest him for trying to run for president or anything like that. So it seems like something that's a little bit on the shaky end of these charges. Right. Right. And speaking of how justice can end up where we least expect it, sometimes we, we, we would be remiss if we weren't, if we didn't remind ourselves about Spiro Agnew, mm-hmm. that was a, a, a case in which the government said, hey, well, let's call it even Stevens. You just get the hell out of politics and we never hear from you again. Right. That was a resolution to to the real crimes, bribery crimes he was committing. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, that's that. So we're talking 2071. That has that little provision in there. I don't think that would necessarily make it, but it does carry a sentence up to three years in prison. See, I was confused because from what I uh, know, I thought the Presidential Records Act was something more like, I want to say it's 44 U.S. code, and then there are a number of sections under that um, that encompass the Presidential Records Act. Are, Are these the same things or two different things? Because we're talking about 18 U.S. code 2071 versus... I could be completely wrong on this, so correct me if I'm wrong. 44 U.S. Code, and it's somewhere in the 2000s. I'm not, I'm not remembering exactly where the PRA lands. So, is this the same thing, or are these two different statutes that kind of do the same thing? Well, now that's what that's something we'll have to ask somebody like Steve Vladek. Okay, gotcha. While I understand the different, like 18, while I understand a lot of stuff under Title 18, I don't know the difference between Title 18, Title 44, Title 2. I know we've talked a lot about that. Mm-hmm. There are, you know, and what those designations are or what they mean. Yeah. Um, so uh, I would, I would ask a con law professor gotcha. uh, about how those are related. Uh, because if we, like, we can look up, espionage act right oh yeah Uh, and if we look at the cornell and by the way this goes back all the way to 1970 1917 yeah yeah Um, right right and there's espionage under 18 u.s code 37 there's espionage under the 973 we've talked about but it all looks like it's 18 it looks all looks like it's title 18 gotcha Presidential Records Act, you're right, has some 44, uh, Title 44. Well, thank God uh, I was right on that because I was just guessing. <laughs> like, oh, good, good. I don't have to edit the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, you're you're right. And that's the, okay. that's the PRA. Of, that's, that one is the one that goes back to the 70s. And it's, you know, 44 uh, U.S. Code Chapter 22. But this is more like it looks like 44 isn't necessarily like the crime and punishment part of the U.S. code. It's more right. about record management. I see. So I feel like what I think is that the 18 U.S. code 
2071 and other things like it, government records and stuff, mm. uh, maybe pertain to the laws that in Title 44 that talk about how you have to maintain records. Yeah. But presidential records specifically, uh, I would want to look and see if there were specific violations of law under code and what title that is. Yeah, yeah. Separately from 2071, because 2071 doesn't mention the Presidential Records Act. Okay, yeah, but it does mention the uh, penalty, the maximum penalty. I think it's three years. So in this regard, this is kind of, strangely enough, in this context, it's kind of the lightest of the three uh, that appeared on the warrant. But the two big ones, oh my God, uh, 793 and 1519. I think the entire Red Hat Entertainment Complex is going to be blindsided by 1519 in particular. They're not even looking at the obstruction charges here, which I think are going to be among the most serious that Trump faces across the board, not just in this investigation, but among everything that he's potentially on the hook for. Oh, yeah, man. I, t uh, Tuesday, the day after the raid, when we learned that the DOJ visited, paid a visit uh, to Mar-a-Lago back in June of this year with the head of espionage, by the way, <laughs> a guy named Brat. And, uh, you know, I, I think they brought him because he might be one of the only guys who has clearance to even look at these documents. Wow. But uh, he, you know, the, and I tweeted, I was like, hey, if they were down there in June and they, then they had to go back and get a warrant, that sounds like obstruction of justice. Yeah. And then we get the warrant and there it is, 1519, 18 U.S. Code 1519. And mm -hmm. this is the one that fascinates me the most of all of these. Yep. And, and the absence of 18 U.S. Code 1924 fascinates me as well. Hmm. But uh, 1519, destruction, alteration, falsification of records and in federal investigations and bankruptcy. And I think that what this has to do with, at least in part, if not in whole, in total, was that back in June, one of the lawyers, either Corcoran or Christina Bob, or maybe another lawyer that we didn't know was at that meeting yet at this point, but one of Trump's lawyers signed a piece of paper saying, we have given you all your classified stuff back. <laughs> yes, exactly. And they didn't, did they? No, because as we learned later from the New York Times, right. there was uh, surveillance tapes in Mar-a-Lago that were subpoenaed by the <laughs> Department of Justice back in the spring. Wow. And they saw, or or maybe more recently, it's a 60-day period that they were looking for. Uh, and I imagine it's the 60 days between June and the, the warrant, but I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, so they saw some people in moving some stuff out of that little shed, that little storage shed mm -hmm. after, after the head of espionage paid him a visit and said, give us all your stuff back. And they signed a thing saying, yeah, we've got it. Uh, and I think oh, that yeah. that probably gave them their 1519 probable cause. That's the stuff that would be in the affidavit. And uh, as, as you know, there's a hearing tomorrow, uh, or I should say on Thursday, I'm not sure when your podcast airs, but there's a hearing on Thursday for the, because the department of justice does not want that affidavit unsealed, whereas uh, multiple media organizations have have asked, have filed for it. What do you think? What do you, should they should they release the affidavit? No, hundred percent, no. Okay, no. First of all, it would violate it would violate Donald Trump's civil rights. Yep, Remember, that's exactly right. 
You remember back in the Mueller report when Mueller explained the reason I can't say that Donald Trump obstructed justice is because I'm unable to indict Donald Trump. And without an indictment, he would then have no way to face his accuser. And Mm -hmm. that would be a violation of his constitutional rights. So to accuse someone of a crime, even if it's just in an affidavit for probable cause reasons, before they're charged is a pretty clear violation uh, of, of your right to face your accuser. Because you, if without a charge, you know, it doesn't mean, you know, there wouldn't be one later, mm-hmm. but without a charge currently, he's being accused without being able to defend himself. And and so they, they don't like to do that. They also don't like to give away their, their you know, the um, sources and methods and, and stuff like that, but release like who witnesses are. And there's a very interesting line. I know Empty Wheel pointed this out today in this DOJ filing opposing the unsealing of the affidavit saying not only that, but it could chill the <laughs> willingness of testimony from high profile people in other high profile cases. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. What do you think that pertains to? That pertains to people like Meadows, Cipollone, and Philbin, mm-hmm. because we know Philbin talked. We know Philbin talked, yeah, right? Yeah. In, this, in this records case, and he is a witness, and he would be unsealed as a witness in this affidavit case. <laughs> that could chill him on talking to them in other high-profile cases, like oh, I don't know, the fraudulent electors scheme. You know, the DOJ basically said yeah, we are doing a criminal investigation into these documents. We weren't just trying to get them back to safety. And yeah, we are doing other criminal, high-profile criminal cases with witnesses that, if you know, in both camps. Why hasn't anyone told him, Donald Trump, that this would be legally suicidal? Because he's all over Troth Central or whatever the hell I call it, saying, you know, release the affidavit. I want the unredacted affidavit released, blah, blah, blah. But it is. It's legally suicidal for him to do that. I guess he's so desperate to dox whoever is in there uh, to try and intimidate them. But that doesn't seem like a prize big enough to satisfy the legal risk to him, does it? All Here's what I think. He knows DOJ is not going to unseal this affidavit. I see. So he's calling for it Mm -hmm. so that he can point the finger and say, they didn't, I asked for it and they didn't do it. They're hiding things. He thought that the DOJ wouldn't unseal the warrant. Yeah. But the DOJ was like, well, we'll call that bluff. You can see the warrant. Mm-hmm. That's fine by us. And he wasn't expecting that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's the same thing here. He thinks it, and that again, it's the same type of whether you're far, whether you're on the left or the right, you know, you can, openly attack the Department of Justice because of its silence and and its slow pace and and pretty much be safe about feeling like you were right. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's the same tack that Trump is taking here. He he knows that he knows the DOJ doesn't want this out. He knows that they're going to they've already filed a, a motion against unsealing it. And so he can he can that's a fight he can get in that, you know, but here's the thing. If they do charge him or if mm-hmm. they charge anybody, uh, anyone, if they charge anyone in this case, uh, which th- there are plenty of people who are, are on the hook besides Donald Trump. Yeah. They're, they're, they'll unseal that affidavit. And does this document theft case become the most likely to indict Donald Trump at this point? 
I don't know. Uh, we know we we learned from the Wall Street Journal that Merrick Garland pondered this for weeks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just signing off on the search warrant. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. I don't know if that says he's he's not scared of going after Donald Trump, or I don't know if that says he's very timid about wanting to take over at actions against a former president. I don't know what it says. Yeah. Uh, but it it seems it seems pretty fairly obvious that Donald Trump committed some crimes here. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, it might be more, it, it, you could, you could see a thing where they, they go after Bob and Corcoran for the obstruction, but not Donald Trump himself. Mm -hmm. Uh, because maybe they don't have that full evidence beyond a reasonable doubt to prove that Trump was involved in that cover up. You know, um, yeah. but it was one of the lawyers who signed their names, not Donald. Uh, so we could see something like that. We could see, I think his most like likely indictment comes from the Fulton County District Attorney. I tend to agree with that. That's always been at the top of my list. And that one's heating up as well now with uh, with Rudy Giuliani. But um, before, <laughs> before we get into that, uh, it seems like Merrick Garland understands he's fully cognizant of the reality that he's trailblazing here, that he's doing something that no other attorney general has ever done and so therefore he's being super cautious because he also knows how uh, white hot the temperature is out there as far as uh, red hats the militias the usual suspects just going indiscriminately bananas as soon as the indictments were to be handed down as we kind of saw a preview of this past week or so so i think these are all things that he's juggling and i tell you what of all the People in Washington, D.C. right now, the last person I'd want to be is Merrick Garland. Merrick Garland is such yep. in such an unenviable position, isn't he? <laughs> oh, yep. I used to say the worst job in the government was the, the, the head of Department of Veterans Affairs. But <laughs> yeah. I, it's 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 Merrick Garland right now that yeah. he can't. Boy, talk about not being able to please all the people all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, and and I you know I will say I'm very I think what what we're learning and what Merrick Garland knows and what we can see on its face is that going after the you know, we're just talking about the boots on the ground here Capital One Six uh, Capital Insurrectionists going after them jailing them some of them getting eight years now eight yeah. years in prison I think is one of the reasons we don't see a lot more MAGA people in the streets after this. Uh, search warrant was executed on Donald Trump. We saw there was one guy who crashed his car yeah. uh, near the Capitol and caught on fire and shot himself in the face. And then there's another guy who decided took it upon himself to take a nail gun and an AR-15 to the Cincinnati FBI office. And he got taken out pretty easily. There was another there's guy in uh, like, Pennsylvania, right? There was a guy who was arrested before he could do something in Pennsylvania. I think, I think he was threatening yeah. the FBI uh, there. I don't so know. There's one, a, there's yeah. one guy. Mm -hmm. And then we've got like 14 guys standing around outside of Mar-a-Lago <laughs> with their giant flags. Uh, and, yeah. and, you know, to me, that's not, that does not a civil war make. No. Uh, but, you know, and I, and I had tweeted when, you know, the guy who um, was threatening the FBI I was like, well, oh, I remember there were some uh, armed protesters out front of the FBI headquarters in Phoenix, Arizona. And I said, oh, well, they're about to meet an actual well-regulated militia. <laughs> That's uh, right. 
because I'm sorry, you, you do you think you're going to go up against the United States government and military and National Guard and law enforcement? Is that what? Yeah, no. So <laughs> I but I think that that's why accountability is so important. Yeah. And uh, I think it's really been I think it's sort of I mean, it's bad. I'm not I'm not saying it's not bad that, you know, all of these inflated uh, increase risks and threats to Department of Homeland Security and the FBI and law enforcement aren't bad. They're very bad and they need to be condemned, but they won't. Trump won't condemn them, just like he didn't tell his protesters to go home on one six. He wants to watch this violence unfold. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, but that's why accountability is so important. I think it would be worse if we weren't putting away January 6th rioters uh, for eight years at a time. One last break, back with more show right after this. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. More fun! So the question is uh, whether Trump decides to run in order to somehow shield himself from prosecution. I think, though, he's boxed in, Allison. I think he needs to run to try and avoid indictments, which that's a big question mark, whether that would even work. But if he does, he can't access Save America PAC anymore. And the RNC has said uh, they will stop paying his legal bills. So he seems like he's trapped here. So let's say, for example, <laughs> this is so weird sounding, but Allison, you're Donald Trump. What do you do at this point as far as balancing whether you should run? You're facing indictments on several different fronts. Plus, you don't know whether or not you're going to be able to keep this ongoing gravy train that's coming in from Save America PAC and the RNC. So what do you do if you're Donald Trump in this predicament? <laughs> do I have to think like Donald Trump? <laughs> are you asking me what the best? Thing That's a to dark, do? dark road to go down. <laughs> or are you asking me if what you I were, think Donald it, Trump it, will do? <laughs> well, either one. If you were either um, you were advising him or what you think he's going to do. Well, what I think he's going to do is is he's going to run because yeah. that he's can't help himself now. <laughs> I, I don't think it'll be to win. I don't yeah. think he's running to win because I don't, I, I think he was so humiliated the last time that's pretty hard for him to face. Mm -hmm. uh, so you think it kind of uh, rattled his mojo? Do you think it losing in 2020, whether he accepts that he really did lose, do you think that that kind of shook him to his core? It's like, Oh my God, I don't want to lose again now. 
Is that it? Yeah. Well, we, when I, you know, I had, I talked to Mary a couple of times about it and she, mm. you know, she was like, no, I don't think, I don't think after that embarrassment, I don't think he'll run again, but, wow. but now, you know, and, and now, you know, I should ask her again, cause we're in a different situation, right? He's been able to, to sort of change the narrative around he lost to he actually won and, and the big lie, you know, the whole, the whole, um, yeah. not, you know, not conceding mm. that he actually did lose the election. So, and maybe he thinks he can get strength from that, but I, I would, I don't think that him being a candidate would have any impact on whether or not he was indicted, not especially not from Fulton County. She doesn't give a F <laughs> that's true. Um, it has nothing to do with her and she doesn't have the DOJ guidelines that says that she can indict somebody mm-hmm. within 60 days of an election. Although it's probably maybe an unwritten rule down there too. Yeah. Uh, but we all also know Garland uh, who has said, I approve seditious conspiracy charges. I approve executing a search warrant on Mar-a-Lago. I don't think he's going to be swayed uh, by the the mere fact that Donald is a candidate for president in an election that's two and a half years away. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I were advising him, uh, I would say it would probably be best for him and the Republican Party for him to not announce until after the midterms and then uh, announce a run for president if you want to run for president. So is Rudy going to flip under pressure in Fulton County? Now that he's really, he's a target of that investigation, he knows it, and he's, I would imagine, if he's got any gray matter left in his skull, that he's crapping himself over what could happen down there. Well, I would I would want to know, and I don't think anybody's gotten this answer out of him, but in that target letter, it tells him what crimes he's being uh, investigated for, wow. targeted for. And so... Uh, it might depend on that. If he's, if he's only targeted for small time crimes, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe don't flip. Yeah. But if he's facing, you know, 20 year racketeering charges, wow. Georgia, yeah, then maybe, uh, but if he's also a million years old. And so like, he'll never serve a full sentence, you know, no, no. but does he want to spend the rest of his life in prison? And does he think he can fight it? You know, I, I, there's so much in that target letter that we that I think would help shed some light on how he might respond that we just don't know. So what are you anticipating for the next season of the Jan 6 televised hearings? Are, are, first of all, are you going to attend uh, like you did for <laughs> keep calling them seasons for season? You attended in season one. Do you t- intend to go back for season two? And what do you anticipate seeing in these uh, these new sets of hearings? Yeah, I'll probably go back for season two. Season right. one was so good. Um, <laughs> I anticipate they're going to be, t- and we've heard a little bit of reporting on this too, that they're going to be talking about the law enforcement response or lack thereof, which is something that I am really, really interested in, particularly this this Chris Miller memo um, where he basically kneecapped law enforcement yeah. Um, now we're seeing uh, Citizens for Responsibility of Ethics in Washington is releasing just a, today a trove of emails they got from Secret Service. They knew the violence was coming. They knew Pence was in danger. They knew Pelosi was in danger. They did wow. nothing. Hmm. 
that's Chad Wolf over there, uh, and uh, yeah. um, not Cipollone, but Cuccinelli. Yes, <laughs> Ken Cuccinelli. Oh, Ken Cuccinelli, man, talk um, about talk about the bad penny that keeps turning up. That guy, just a long history of having to deal with Ken Cuccinelli. So, uh, so that, and then of course uh, the Twenty Fifth Amendment discussions um, should be interesting as well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I want to. I want some sort of interim hearings or videos released on the Alex Jones phone that was handed <laughs> over. From. Yes, me too. I'm eagerly anticipating something along those lines because <laughs> uh, it, not, what, whatever happens to Alex Jones, it's not bad enough. It doesn't rise to the level of how despicable that guy is. Uh, on so many different uh, aspects. So, um, but and before we wrap up, Allison, tell me about this event you're working on with Kathy Griffin, and uh, I think Frangela is going to be there too. What what is that all about? Oh yeah, yeah, we're do, we're going to be live at Largo um, this Monday, the twenty second. That's a comedy club in uh, L.A., right? Uh, it's a theater. A theater, yeah. And uh, let's see, we've got yeah, you mentioned it, Frangela. We've got Steve Pearson from the How We Win podcast. Myself, mm-hmm. Kathy Griffin, of course, the Midas Touch guys will be there as well. Oh, great, yeah, yeah. We've got some other special surprise guests uh, in mind. But the cool thing about this is that every penny that you spend on a ticket goes toward the How We Win Fund, which is so cool because they've taken the guesswork out of where your dollar, where your campaign donations have the most bang for their buck. Mm-hmm. And they've, they've run the numbers, crunched the numbers. Cause you know, like remember when Amy McGrath had a hundred zillion dollars and everyone was like, stop sending money to Amy McGrath, send mm-hmm. it to the, to these folks who, you know, who are out of money, who have flippable seats. Yeah, you know, um, and so they've done all that work for you, and that's where all the money goes. It's very cool. HowWeWinLive.com. Perfect, perfect. Okay, well, Allison, please go and take care of your head, for God's sake. We need you <laughs> in the trenches. Uh, so yes, get some Advil, ice, maybe something. I don't know what you do. I have no idea what you do for a concussion. I guess you just wait. Advil it out. and ice. Did John's you have- gonna hear this, and he's gonna be like, low energy, low information. She has a head injury. See, Don't the listen. only the, the only context I have for having a concussion is like in every like 70s and 80s television show where it's like, don't fall asleep. There's some guy just don't, whatever you do, stay awake. Yeah, and that's the extent of my concussion experience. So, yeah. If my doctor said that's not really a thing anymore. <laughs> okay, that's a, I thought so. So the, uh, <laughs> obviously, Mueller, she wrote, MSW Media, the Daily Beans podcast. I've got links in the description for everything under this episode at bobsuska.com. Thank you so much, Allison. I, I really appreciate all of your insight and and mostly I appreciate your integrity. You've been invaluable uh, through all of this and, and will continue to be. So thank you. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. And I appreciate what you're doing. Uh, it's, this is such important work, independent curatorial journalism for the win. Yes, absolutely. Well, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks so much. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>